Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Before we start the pod this week, I just want to give a shout-out to Ruse Clothing, um, a Teesside-based business, and it's where fashion meets family spirit. They just want to create a brand uh, which identified with them in terms of designs and fit. And to be honest, they're on, their clothes are really, really cool. So if you want to go and find them out, it's www.ruseclo.co.uk forward slash board break. And that link is in the description below this podcast and on our YouTube video as well. But for right now, let's speak what the draw against Huddersfield. Look ahead to West Brom and answer your podcast questions. This is the board breakdown podcast. And this is all your board match day chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny and Tom. We are the Bora podcast. We'll give you all the Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And Bora's search for the first win of the season in the league still goes on with Bora drawing 1-1 against Neil Warnock's Huddersfield. Tom, how are you feeling? What was your one key takeout from the game yesterday? My one key takeout is that that was very much improved on the first two games. And it's it's mad how much difference two new signings in those two vital positions have made. We looked a lot more balanced yesterday. Really like the look of Morgan Rogers in the number 10 position. And, you know, I, I think it's telling. And this this is quoting from a, an article I read in the Northern Echo this morning that we had more, it was the same amount or more shots on target in the first half than we'd recorded in the in the first two games. I think we're, we're very much nearly getting there. Um, I'd still like to see some more signings, but I, I don't think we're we're kind of too far off. I think we just need some some depth now, really. But yeah, frustrated that we didn't get that that first win. Uh, hopefully we can do it against West Brom next week. But yeah, it was it was massive improvement on the first two games. Yeah, it was definitely improvement, wasn't it? I think my key takeaway, though, is sensationalism in football. I think that it's crazy when... It's only three games in and you see some fans saying it's a relegation fight, some saying it's horrendous, some saying it's progress and and some saying it's amazing. And I think it's opinions really do matter in football, but I feel like we're in a moment right now where if you don't win, it's the worst thing in the world. And when, you know, when you do win, you're the best team 
in the world. And, you know, for, for me, I think progress is progress. I think when you look at each game like in isolation this season, you can definitely see the steps of improvement that we're having. I appreciate Coventry wasn't a particularly good performance, but I think we could kind of see what we were hoping to do. Yes, we were terrible, I'll be honest, and I went back on that last week. But the game yesterday, I think progress is progress. We created loads of chances. We didn't put them away, but we were starting to click, like you were saying that, Tom. I think there's just like little key moments where there's patterns that were starting to go. You know, we were creating some good spaces. We made some fine tweaks here and there. And it's just slowly getting there. I think we are a different team than what we were a few months ago. You know, the lone players did play a massive part in where we were. But, you know, we're starting to build that squad up. We're still hoping to try and bring bodies in. And hopefully it continues to click. Because if, if we are still bringing in, no, sorry, if we're still creating chances uh, with a team which on paper probably might not be as strong right now, and we're still creating them and we're still creating good chances as well, I think it's only a matter of time until these all start to click and we start to go again. So the prediction of our mid-start of the season of a slow start and hopefully ramping up might come off. I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully stick with that. Um, but I thought we were we were okay yesterday. So for me, sensationalism football is hilarious. But if I have to have a second point, it would be progress is progress. And let's talk about the game then, Tom, because we made actually five changes uh, to the side that lost to Coventry. House and Vandenberg, Force. Laugh and, and then Gel came in as well to make their debut. So, how you, how effective do you think we were following the, the changes that Carrick made? Like I said, I, I feel like we just looked a lot more balanced, and and that seemed to be in the the two positions you know which we've mentioned previously, which were were key to be filled: striker and left back. It was very nice having a, a striker who was actually going to you know make the runs in behind. Very similar to what we had with Cameron Archer last season. Uh, I think he can see. Laterlaf has some of the same attributes, you know, in terms of the pace, the uh, the aggressiveness to to kind of, you know battle against defenders, and he, he can hold his own as well. He obviously does need work on his his composure and finishing by the looks of it. But you know, we, we kind of talked about that in our group chat before he signed as well, and we're kind of just basing that off off one game. But he does seem it it does seem like you know when he gets kind of too much time on the ball, he can be prone making a, the wrong decision. Hopefully. You know, we we can kind of coach that out out of him, but you know, if he had that composure anyway, he wouldn't be playing for us. So, but like I say, it, it was good having having that up front and Morgan Rogers moving back to that ten. I thought thought did uh, did very well yesterday in terms of the chance creation. I thought thought we were very good with that. I think I think we were unlucky not to win. You know, I, I think the the only reason we didn't possibly is because it's Warnock and we never. We never win against him, but <laughs> uh, just kidding. The the only reason is really Lee Nichols. Then you then you look at the left back position. It definitely did seem a lot better defensively with with Engel coming in. I personally thought yesterday he was playing a bit safe uh, at times. I was like, I don't. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if he's just trying to kind of like not make any mistakes on his debut because there was a, a point in the first half where. Silvera had it just at the corner of the box. I'm so much spaced on the left hand side, and I'm I'm sat there like overlapping, overlapping. And he just he was just kind of like stood about ten yards back from from Silvera. Obviously, Carrick came out after the match and said we told him to drop deeper just because of the man marking system. I don't know if that was maybe an opportunity where he still could have got forward though, and it's it's mm-hmm. maybe making that decision to get forward and and you know ha- having that familiarity with the team which understandably after a few days training and on his first first game for the club he's not going to have just yet so I am looking forward to seeing more of him and 
just one more uh, point: the the absolute difference that that Johnny Housen made coming back into midfield and, and progressing the ball out from uh, you know the defensive mid- midfield positions, even to up to the attacking midfield, and, and really kind of controlling that midfield area. Obviously, when we were doing our season preview, he's been injured for most preseason. We've had Hackney and Barlasa in, in preseason, who were were getting some good reviews as a partnership. So. I was thinking that is potentially going to be the partnership for the season. I think we're always at Housen's age, which I don't know how he still keeps going at the pace he does because that is incredible. But I think there's always kind of like some discourse every year of like, are we going to sign like a replacement for Housen? Is is, is he going to be kind of like more of a bench option this season? And I was wondering if that was the way we were going with it. Barlas obviously had a lot of assists for Rotherham last season. I think we all want him to do well, but he hasn't played that well in the first couple of league games. Admittedly, got a couple of a couple of assists in the cup game. Housen coming back in yesterday, just such an improvement in in midfield, and and like I said, just the the control we had in midfield yesterday as a result of him coming back and you know picking up that partnership again with with Hackney. Um, I, I thought that was a very good change to to be able to make yesterday. Yeah, the the changes definitely made a difference in the yesterday. I thought we were. We were much, much better. Uh, and, and just on Balassa as well, I think when you've got a striker like Lattie Lafnau, who is really keen to get him behind, what a player to put behind him, right? You know, someone who can really is uh, who can really pinpoint a pass and try and get people in behind. Balassa is exceptional at that. Hackney did a really good pass in the second half as well, where he broke through um, as well. So having that variation between Balassa and Hackney could be a really good shout for us. Just for Borough, when we have that, though, I would like the protection. I think that's where Houston really comes into it. If Borough were to move into a midfield three, then that would work very, very well. But I don't think we will. I think that we played that 4-4-2 slash 4-2-3-1 yesterday. And I think the one big change that we've seen in the game yesterday was that 4-2-4 in possession, playing really, really wide, which we haven't done in the last couple of games. And we're able to create spaces and get in behind. And just on that lap as well, like you mentioned there, I thought it was really good yesterday. I think on the lowdown videos that we did in, in the week around that laugh and around his off-the-ball movement and not getting involved too much in, in the build-up really kind of shows. I think his movement was fantastic. He wasn't particularly good when, we had, when he had a couple of decisions to make, but he excited me. And I think that's what Borough fans want. You know, they want that bit of excitement, someone who can really put a lot of effort in. I said um, to Matt, um, our graphics and Matt in the pod that uh, during the day, I was like, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Joseph Job and Tunjai and where because it's quite dangly, gangly where the way he was running. Uh, but he also reminded me of Tunjai because he just couldn't stop. He just he just didn't stop all day. So there's plenty of po- uh, there's plenty of positives, I think, especially from the changes that we've made and in the new signs as well. And Norm agree though yesterday, Tom. Like so he was on the bench again for a second game in a row. We're so used to seeing uh, Ryan McGreed in, in that number eleven. He's been like a mainstay in the squad for for a long time unless he's been injured. So why do you think we're not seeing him at the minute? What, what, do you, what do you think? Because he creates a lot of chances. He's really good on the ball. He, he can float between the lines. There's a lot of promise there, but we just didn't see him yesterday. So why do you think we're, we're not seeing him? I'm not, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think one potential reason for that might be the emergence of uh, of Sammy Silvera. Mm. You know, every time he's come on, he, he's looked exciting. He's looked like he's he's going to get something created. But at the same time, Riley McGree does that as well. It's going to be a tough competition for that position this season, I think. Um, personally, I'd have McGree in again for the next game. I, I think even when he came off the bench yesterday, he just did look really bright and 
look to create. So I'd like to see him back in. Um, he's, he's definitely kind of a more more senior head. He's, he's been around in this system a lot longer. So maybe he he can be one to to create something for that they laugh. But yeah, it, it's a bit strange to to see him missing out. But I, I do wonder if it is just because of the emergence of uh, of Sammy Silvera and uh, you know how how exciting he's looked when when he has been on the pitch. Yeah, and I think Silvera played well yesterday. Obviously, that everyone's going to think of that chance right at the death uh, where we should have where we should have won it, and he should have. Uh, broke the net but he ended up nearly breaking a seat in the stands um with with his effort but it was just one of those things but we'll move on to like the overall assessment of the game Tom because you know one one and when we break the game down and if you want to look at it on face value and statistics but side of things you know Millsborough had high expected goals you know so creating better quality chances but just not putting them away just one 17 shots to 16 in terms of, of um, shots, but also big chances. This is where I thought the game was really um, dictated. Middlesbrough had three big chances in that game and didn't convert anything where Huddersfield didn't have a big chance at all, but were able to score as well. And um, they did have an XG of, of, of one, of course. Uh, Huddersfield, we had two, so it would have been a 2-1 game and that would have been fair. What was your overall assessment, Tom? What did you think of the game in general? Because it felt like Borough had plenty of chances, we just didn't put them away. We should have won. I said on Twitter afterwards, it really wouldn't surprise me if Lee Nichols has won the overall man of the match for that because he made some incredible saves um, to to keep us out. Um, mad as well that we didn't score off any of our clean cut chances, but um, mm. you know the, the one there where Hackney fires it in from the corner of the box, that's the that's something special that it takes to to beat Nichols and and equalise the game, but. Um, no, I, I thought we played really well um, in in terms of the the chance creation. We definitely should have been ahead at half time uh, with the amount of efforts we were having, um, and and yeah, just it, it it could have been a completely different game if just after the equaliser, if if like they had um, had managed to just get get that past Lee Nichols obviously he's done a really good job there coming out and making himself big and uh, you know giving the striker that decision to make but yeah it, it just seemed because it was only a couple of minutes after wasn't it it was it just seemed like this is the moment and as soon as we get this one they're going to open up a little bit more and we'll, we'll be able to get another one after that but yeah we, we had the chances to to win that so it is disappointing not to Um but like I say, you, you, you've got to be optimistic and and take the positives from that game in that we're creating chances again. We look more balanced and mm. it's it going to come. We just, we need to, need to keep going because um, we're not a bad team by, by any stretch. I know there's been a lot, a lot of people saying, um, kind of like it's, well, I mean, Carrick was one of them saying completely new team. Maybe we need to reset expectations and stuff. We're not a bad team. We can create these chances. We need someone to put them away. Um, and, and we need a, a goalkeeper who's absolutely not on his day, uh, like Lee Nichols was yesterday. Yeah, and, and that's it. I think Middlesbrough were playing, I think, are playing this season a little bit with a target on the back a little bit because last year we were so good going forward. We created plenty of chances. We were exciting to watch. We still are exciting to watch. Just the the expectation levels last year to now are so different. And I think the middle's the best thing and the worst thing for Borough to happen last year was 
the best thing of, you know, going on that streak and going on a fantastic run of form, getting into the playoffs and playing well, getting there. The worst thing to happen to Middlesbrough last year was going, uh, was winning near up every game from November, going on a streak and getting the playoff places because there was so much expectation given off the back of that. And I think this, the, ch- the team is different now, like you mentioned. And in terms of the overall assessment from my perspective, I agree with you. We were creating chances, you know, good chances as well um, in the first half. I think, it was, I think you, we were saying off there that, the first half, we created more chances in the first half than we had in the last couple of games. So, again, progress. It's, there were signs of clicking. There is still room for improvement, though. We're not to the level where I think we should be at the moment, but we are getting better and, and better and better. And, and I think that will come. And I'm really in, interested to see how we do in the next few games and hopefully we can start to, to get all ourselves going again. But it doesn't really mean too much, I think. You know, when you look at it from, from a normal life perspective, when you start a new job or something like that, it takes you maybe like three to six months to get your feet under the table, start to like learn, get key, like get understand relationships, processes and all that kind of stuff. So why is football any different? I think that, you know, you're starting something brand new, you're moving house, you know, you've got a different environment, you're working with people again day to day. You know, you're still trying to understand different processes. So why do we think of it in a different perspective? You know, I appreciate that there is like a class of, you know, quality, but, and end of the day with people. So we're going to make mistakes. It's not always going to be rosy. And I think that's where the improvement's going to come. And I think as the season goes on, I think we will get better and better. And there's still room. I think we need about four or five signings to do that. We'll come with that a little bit later on. Um, but on another day, Tom, I think that scoreline, surely it's got to be more than 1-1, right? It's It's got to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said yeah, uh, earlier, Lee Nichols had an absolute you know, stormer yesterday. Looking at some of the chances in the first half, Hackney goes one on one. He makes himself big and and, and covers the angle well. Uh, another day, Hackney scored there. Force. I've never seen him hit a shot that hard as he did in the first half. It looked like it was flying in, and and obviously Nichols has, has saved that as well. Comes out second half to to cover a one on one against against Laddelaf as well. So, yeah, I mean. Like I said, another day that that could have very easily been three or four one. We were making the chances there, um, and and as much as you know, straight after the game yesterday, I was listening to BBC T's phone and people <laughs> panicking and stuff like that. I really don't think there's any need to. Like you just like we said, we've we've cut, we've made enough chances, and we've had a, a, quite a few clear cut chances as well, um, which we weren't doing for the the first couple of games. Definitely improvement there. And, you know, another day we take those chances. Yeah, we absolutely do. So let's uh, actually, actually, you know, before we move on to the Braves, let's just say one level of improvement. I think yesterday when we were playing that 4 2 4 and that man marking system, when our centre backs had the ball, I think Dale Fry, particularly yesterday, was was playing it a little bit too safe. I think with like a laugh making the really good runs in behind and, you know, stretching the teams as well. And Morgan Rogers was doing exactly the same. I would have just liked Dale Fry just to play the ball anyway. I think he was too. I think he was too nervous yesterday to give the ball away, and the crowd might get on his back. But if he was to do that anyway, and we're still trying to create opportunity, more nine times out of ten, or the more you do it, the more like chance you're going to probably play the ball through. So that for me is a place for improvement. I would like maybe in the future Vandenberg to try and play that. I think he's a better ball playing centre half than what Dale Fry is. So that could potentially change again, but. It's an improvement that we have to make. We're still getting there. There's still room. I still think that we will be up there coming the end of the season as well. Uh, you know, the squad will only get better. I think we'll still improve um, in the transfer market as well. But let's move on, Tom. Let's move to the present place because the present place is the place we like to give pra- praise to a player 
coaching staff, Tom's lovely away shirt today, and I'll borrow break down away shirt, which is coming very, very soon. Um, it is a lovely shirt. It is adapted from 2001, 2002, and also in the 90s as well. Um, so you can get that as well. It's only for a limited edition as well. It's only available to the end of uh, next month, so you have to probably get buying ASAP. Um, Rocky, so Tom, praise and place. Who gets your place in the praise and place this week? Well, actually, just before I start that, I've just realised from from the ad, I've actually had like an unintentional away day shirt streak here. I was uh, 0 last week and last year's <laughs> uh, blue and blue and, and white this week. So I wonder which away shirt I'll, I'll find by accident next week. But um, yeah, uh, present place this week, I'm going to say Morgan Rogers. Um, I think it had kind of passed me by in the first half how influential he'd actually been. Um, watching it in the stadium, I don't, I don't know if it's maybe just the first couple of games and I'm still like not analytical, analytical, analytical head is still not on yet and I'm not really looking for that, but I was I was just enjoying watching the game and we were discussing it at halftime and I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, he's done all right there. He had a, a good couple of dribbles and I watched the extended highlights this morning that Borough had posted and the fact that he was actually the one who set up quite a few of the uh, the chances in the first half that had kind of passed me by and I'm looking at it and I was like he could actually be a very very good choice for that number 10 position um, as you know Dana I believe has been saying for that for, for the last couple of weeks um, he really has a good eye for a pass um, and the ability to do it as well so yeah I, I was very impressed with uh, with him yesterday Um Hopefully he can he can continue to impress in that position. I don't think he's going to be a full on replacement for for Chuba Rackbomb. I, I think that would be very very hard to find in in this division, especially for you know what we've what we've brought in in terms of a fee for for Rackbomb. I'm not sitting here thinking Morgan Rogers is going to you know contribute twenty plus goals or anything like that. But as from a creative uh, standpoint, he could fill that position quite well. And then it's just trying to share the goals around elsewhere, which it will be difficult. But like I said, it's it's very difficult to to replace Akpom or Archer as well. But like I said, creatively in that number ten position, I thought he did very well yesterday and and hopefully that can continue. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, he was really, really good yesterday, wasn't he, Mark Rogers? And then we had a question from Ben, after, uh, which we'll move on to, which asks a very similar thing around Akpom's replacement. Mark Rogers was fantastic yesterday as well. And I agree. I thought Mark Rogers was fantastic. Um, but he, he doesn't get my present place. He, does, he, should, he gets mentioned, but he's not the person that I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for Latte Laugh. I think naturally, I thought he was tremendous yesterday. And he was able to create so many chances. And how beneficial is it to have a number nine uh, who will get in behind and make, make those runs? It, it creates a different dimension to our play. And we just didn't have that in the previous couple of games. It's not Rogers' style to do that. And, and that's fine. That's just like a personnel thing. But again, I think you looked like a really good coup. Uh, did Morgan Rogers yesterday, but like a laugh for me, he made the difference going forward. Made um, gear was a completely different dimension to our play, and I thought it was really good. I was just shame we just didn't get the ball. But overall, a debut score, fantastic. Lucas Engel yeah. as well, I thought was good. He played it safe, but he was told to play it safe. And I think we'll see a lot of really good things from Lucas Engel. Not in the next game, but for three, four, five games time, as he starts to, to grow more and more confidence, I think we'll I think we've got a really good player there as well. Um really, really good. I'm excited to see what he brings. He I actually give him a five out of five in our lowdowns. Uh, so I hope he does come good. Uh but I think he was uh I think this once he has time, I think he'll flourish just as much as like Laugh will as well. Um but let's move on, Tom. Let's move on to podcast questions now. So every week you guys get the chance uh to send us a question by Twitter, bore underscore breakdown, email the bore breakdown at hotmail.com or by joining our telegram chat. It's absolutely free to do so. There's over 370 Bora fans in there chatting nothing about Bora at all. We talk about different things about life, rolls of random stuff. And to be honest, if you want to join, join. If you don't, you don't. I'm not going to push it much more. Um but Tom, first question. Um it does come from from ben we spoke on it very very quickly um just around has akpom's replacement been at the club all along he thinks it's rogers you don't think it is um i'm going to assume that you don't um do you think he's the replacement right now he's the replacement in that position he's not the replacement yeah. for the goals um what this is reminding me of and i'm pretty sure you're going to appreciate this reference johnny the scene in moneyball where they get rid of the moneyball. star player um, and they're saying, oh, he had so many runs last year. How are we going to replace that with the little budget that we have? And they're like, we don't replace him with one player, we replace him with three. I think Absolutely that's going agree. to have to be the uh, the aim for us this season. We're not going to replace 29 goals with one player for, for the fee that we've brought in. However, if we can share that budget around, um, 
get another couple of players. I think we do need another striker. Get more players contributing in terms of goals. I think you know what we've brought in in attacking midfield in terms of creativity. I think that is going to pay off. Um, it's just going to need time to to click. I think we saw good. We've seen good early signs of it. Um, and and a lot more so yesterday than than any game before, but I think we're we're going to be looking at increasing the the overall creativity of the squad, and then it's just waiting for people to put those chances away. So, like I said, I don't expect that Morgan Rogers is going to chip in with twenty nine goals this season. I'd love it if he did, but I don't expect that. I don't think that's realistic. He's probably the replacement for Akpom in that position. But I think he's one of the creative players who is going to be tasked with with setting chances up. And he had a good uh, good run into the box yesterday, decent shot on target on his his left foot. Yeah. Maybe he can chip in with uh, with a few goals. I'd, I'd love it if he he got your know, double figures. Uh, but we're going to have to going to have to wait and see. Like I said, I think those three players playing behind the striker have all been brought in with that purpose to create chances and and share the goals around the team. That's it. That's it exactly. You know, I think the the ability and the, the ability of different players and what their strengths are are gonna give us a completely different dimension. I think from what fans were wanting last year and having that replicated, I don't think it is because no players are the same. They all have different strengths and weaknesses. And you know, we'll play slightly different this year than what we have in pre in, in the previous season as well. So we've got to adapt, we've got to progress as well. And I'm interested to see how that, that works. Like you were saying there, as Akpom's replacement there, positional-wise, Rogers is great. Can we add to that even further? Of course we can. And, you know, we'll we'll see what that front four will look like um, by the end of the window. And we got a question from Anil as well, where he says, assuming... Uh, uh, he says... Oh, sorry, not Anil. Sorry, we'll move on to his in a, in a second. It's from Simon, sorry. Uh, where he says, Latia Laugh looks promising. Rogers looks even better in the 10. McGree looked good when he came on. But what's our best forward line? Best forward line for me, I think McGree, I think Morgan Rogers at the moment, and Latte Laugh. And I'd probably stick with Force, but I wouldn't be against Isaiah Jones playing in that right wing role. Uh, what about you, Tom? What do you think? I'd I'd agree with you there, but I think it would be oh, Sammy McGree, McGree, Rogers, Force, Latte Laugh. Um, and then Silvera and Jones off the bench, they're going to be frightening for a, a tired defence. Uh, for sure. So, yeah, I would say that's our that's our best four at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And just on uh, next couple of questions, then. So, one's from Nick. And he says, "Who might leave before the transfer window?" Uh, look, there's going to be players that will leave, and I'm not, I'm expecting a couple too. Um, whether it's on on loan or not. Tom, what do you think? I think Josh Corburn's a given. I think he'll go. I think Martin Pierre might be a bit of a given as well. I think Paddy McNair might be a given as well. I feel like we'll, we might see a one first teamer leave the but a sport, yeah, especially one first team playing uh, player to leave. Um, what do you think? Who do you think is going to go? Yeah, I think from the sounds of what Carrick was saying about Coburn, saying we've got a plan for him this season and stuff like that, I think we're after another striker. And as soon as we get that striker in, Coburn goes out on loan. Um, which might be a good move for him. Um, you know, just get another another season under his belt as uh, as a starting striker. Um, I will say, anytime he's been on the bench and we've needed to bring someone on this season, I'd 
always much rather he come on than Matt Crooks up front. Um, I, I just think every every time I see Josh Coburn coming back from Lorna, wherever he's been, he looks bigger. So, um, you know, he's a very uh, intimidating presence up front. Um, you know, maybe another season just to, to kind of get that under his belt and get his confidence up. So I can see that happening. Um, Piero, I could also see happening. Again, I would want us to be bringing in a replacement centre midfielder um, just to, to just to kind of take that, that slot. I'm not on about replacing Piero because we've not really seen anything that we need to replace at mm. the moment. He's not really been in around the first team since since what Warnock was manager. So um yeah, we need to replace him as an option in the team. Uh but in terms of what he brings to the team, we still kind of don't know at the moment. Um and then Paddy McNair I would also agree with, but that room is kind of there every transfer window, it seems. He's, he's yeah, always he being linked to some kind of like bottom half <laughs> Premier League team or Stoke, and it's always like, oh, it might be like four or five million. Like, why? <laughs> uh, I'm not saying, not saying he's not good or anything like that, but I don't know, that room is always the same and it never seems to change. Um, but he's in the last 12 months of his contract, and I think at the moment it looks telling that Fry and Crooks have both signed new contracts and Paddy McNair hasn't just yet. So I think he might mm. be moved on. We might be looking at a replacement uh, for for wherever whatever position we think we need to replace McNair in. Because um, I think we've said many times we don't know his best position. <laughs> Are we replacing him as a midfield choice, as a defence choice? Is Matt Clark ever going to come back and kind of take that fourth choice? Uh, yeah, fourth choice uh, centre back place. Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I could see that happening as well. Yeah, I'm interested to see when when Matt Clark comes back. You know, like he's regarded as a good ball player centre half as well. You know, he showed it in his early signs of the Chris Wilder year until he had until he's had his injury. And I'd be intrigued to see just to see how he how he how he fares up. But yeah, there's players that could definitely go. Like Crooksy could potentially go. There's McNair that could potentially go. There is quite a toss-up and I still think that Millsborough have got a lot of work to do before the end of the window but not just Millsborough by the way I think every team does uh, there's no teams ready until about October November time anyway so we'll soon see on that front but Anil uh, got to go it was his question was saying assuming we don't bring any players until January what league position will we be in uh, in the end of December I'm going to go probably 8th to 10th I think we just need to keep adding I think, you know, there's there's still a couple of gaps which I want us to improve on. But I just think right now, I just don't think we have enough, enough quality and depth, I think. Um, but I think, yeah, probably 8th to 10th. What do you think? I'll probably broaden that a little bit and say 8th eighth, eighth to 12th. Um, okay. I think at, at the moment, like I said, we just do need to to keep adding and, and bring in some extra quality to that, uh, that, that squad. So... Yeah, I, I, like I say, I think we're getting there. I think in terms of the chance creation yesterday, it does does show that we've got a good creative team. Um, it's just maybe not on the level of, uh, of of the likes of the top six just yet. Okay, well, let's move on to the final two questions. And once from Willie says, uh, one clean sheet in the last 14 games. How long will this carry on for? Look, we not had many clean sheets under Carrick, but we've had some fantastic performances. I don't think 
clean sheets are massively important. Yes, they they do count. You know, if you don't concede a goal, you're more likely going to win or win the game, really. And we've just got into that rhythm that, again as a side that uh, we will probably score more goals than we concede. But I would say though, we are probably quite easy to play against at times. I think there's sometimes the chaotic nature of how we do play it leaves us quite prone to a transition. I think if you were able to try and nullify that a little bit, make us a bit more defensively sound, just like tweak here and there of how we go forward in terms of setting up in possession, then we might see an improvement there. But then how does that counteract us going forward as well? So it's striking that fine balance. Appreciate clean sheets may come. But at the moment, I think we're like conceding very low-quality chances to be honest, I think the the three against um, Coventry, you know, I think deflection was well, a goal. One was, you know, um, fell into the attacker's feet and scored. One was a defensive error and the score. The next thing you know, you can see the three. Yesterday, another own goal. It's just like, these are very low quality chances that we're giving away. And sometimes it can just be down to luck and personal, like personnel and, that happens, but I think there is definitely structural things that we can improve on. I just think that it's going to come with time, and to be honest, and maybe a personal addition here and there um, as well. And then the final question is from Thomas. He says, set pieces, how do we improve on them defensively and defensively? I think we're really poor in both departments. And Tom, just before I come to you on this point, I just want to pull um, a stat, or tell you a, a stat uh, from the game uh, yesterday. So, Middlesbrough uh, had into, had an XG from set players of 0.06 uh, versus um, 0.48 of um, Huddersfield. So 0.06 is pretty much non-existent. We haven't actually created anything from that set pieces. And the last couple of weeks, the set pieces have been a, a theme on this podcast from the questions that we've had. So... What do you think? How do you think Borough can improve on set pieces defensively and defensively? Defensively, I've always been kind of more of a fan of man marking on on set pieces. I think you you get your centre backs to to mark their biggest players. It's assuming your centre backs are the same size and not the size of Lissandro yeah. Martinez from Man United for, uh, <laughs> for that example. But um, I, I think you go with that. You get a couple of players on. Uh, on both posts and and the rest of the players are, are man marking as well gives a lot of accountability um, and I just I'm not a big fan of uh, kind of zonal marking on set pieces so I'd be going with with that direction for defensively offensively it's it's difficult because you just need someone who's who's a bit more of a dead ball specialist than than what we have. At the moment, I don't think anyone is, and that's potentially why we're going with the uh, the short corners. Mm-hmm. But we, we need someone with with good delivery and just to to pick a certain area to to get those get those corners mainly in, into, um, and then you you know you fill in that area with hopefully your, your tallest aerial threats really, um, and yeah, hopefully Daryl Lenahan gets it on that he scores. But um, again, yeah. wasn't wasn't a bit yesterday. But um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be going with with that really. Um, I, th- I think with the the short corners, we are trying to kind of carve out a chance. And you know, I've seen in the past they can work. Uh, I gave an example a couple of couple of pods ago about. Um, uh, was when we beat Ipswich under under Karanka and we took a short corner yeah. there and Danny Ayala scored and clattered their keeper at the same time. Um, but 
it was moved quickly then and everyone's kind of seemed to know where they were going uh you know it paid off for us i have found in the first couple of games um especially that no one really knows where they're supposed to be off those short corners um and and we tend to be taking too long to deliver so it it just it narrows the angles and it gives the defense a lot more time to kind of get prepped for for defending it I'm I'm not a big fan of how we have been doing short corners. It's not to say they can't work. It's just we need a different approach if we are going to go that direction. Yeah, that's it. You know, I think the the set pieces in themselves going forward, it comes down to angles, it comes down to movement, and it comes down to delivery. And how can you how can you marry all those up together? I think statistically, set pieces, you're more likely to score from a long throw than you are a corner, uh, which is actually a, a a batshit um stat to pull out. It's in the it's in one of it's a book that I can't remember which one it was. Um Rory yeah, the last it, big, big book of long throws. Rory, <laughs> but yeah, just the, the long throw. So basically just like if the ball starts on page one and then like as he as he goes to throw it, John has like those like books where like you flip through. It, you just see the long throw and like that's that's it goes. Um it's Peter Crouch nods in at the end. Uh in the bet three six of eyes. So um but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just so statistically, you don't really score much from set pieces anywhere. I don't know really why we we stress over them as fans to get so excited by corners and 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 stuff like that. Because realistically, the chances are like it's quite hard to to score from set pieces in general, and you know it just comes from creativity, the angles, and ball delivery, and there's so many different things that can come combine it that where open play it's a little bit different. It's a bit more easier to do so. Well. It is what it is. I agree with you on the man marking stuff. I prefer man marking as well. Zonal marking's great, but I feel like it's too easy for an offense. I feel like an offensive team, if they just run into a certain zone, then more into a certain zone, then it's easier to take advantage of rather than man marking where it's more of a responsibility of the player. But who knows? What are we to know, Tom? You know, we're not set piece specialists. Set, set piece specialists. Uh, that was so hard to say. Um, but let's move on uh, to West Brom now because Borough travelled to the Hawthorns looking for a, a win for the first time since 29th of December 2019. It was when Jonathan Woodgate was in charge. We won 2-0. And it was a, a game where Middlesbrough were on the verge of pretty much winning four in a row, that in, a four or five in a row in that month. So we all thought it was all going to work for Jonathan Woodgate, but it just didn't in the end. But to get an assessment or analysis on West Brom, we spoke to Chris from Albion Analytics to find out a little bit more about the Baggies this season. Chris Hall here from the Albion Analysis Podcast. Ahead of our game with Middlesbrough, it's a bit of an odd one for us. I mean, the summer has been, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, We knew it was going to be a challenging summer, to say the least. The club are financially in massive, massive trouble. Um, The owner owes money, which he's not paying back. We're having to take out loans at high interest rates to cover the money that we owe. And as a result, we knew we were going to have to sell players. We sold Dara O'Shea to Burnley for for seven million um let carl and grant go on loan to cardiff there's a lot of talk that grady dean garner now that he's back fit will be the next to go out the door but um it could have been a lot worse i think we've lost dara was a big loss but we haven't lost um a lot of players that 
really heavily impact the first team. We've still got the majority of the the starting eleven from last season, and we've been able to add Josh Madger and Jeremy Sarmiento, two players who kind of emphasise where we are as a club that we are shopping in either the loan or freeze market, and that's why we haven't done a lot of business. So the squad's pretty thin on the ground at the moment. We're making the best of uh, of what of what we've got, and for that reason, I think most Albion fans are pretty positive about our start to the season. The defeat at Blackburn was frustrating, but equally we brought it upon ourselves we gave them two goals from two massive mistakes in two minutes so you're always going to do well to recover from that but we then beat Swansea raced into a 3-0 lead and then rather fortunate in the end to uh, to get the victory because we conceded two goals and they uh, they had a bunch of chances from set pieces late on and then we ground out a good draw at, at Leeds as well which you know they've got their own problems but so have we and going away from home to a to a relegated side is always is always tough so I think for as long as Carlos Corbran is in charge of Albion I think there's cautious optimism from the Albion fan base the problem is we know that the ownership is just an absolute epic disaster and he's not running the club with the best interests of the club at heart he's running it to take what money he can out of it and sell it there's the that that's perfectly clear to anybody he's he doesn't care about success on the pitch unless we get close to the Premier League in which case he'll care because it brings financial rewards but he doesn't care for the right reasons about getting the club into a stable position Um, otherwise he wouldn't have spent in the way that he has so we're always worried about what's next with the ownership what decision is he going to make what crazy thing is he going to is he going to do what reckless thing is he going to do? Can we get a new ownership in? But Carlos Corbran is the stabilising factor for us at this moment in time. He's he's a huge, huge plus. And as I say, whilst he's manager of this football club, I think we will always expect our team to be set up well, organised. We're not particularly exciting at the moment uh, I'll openly I'll openly admit that we've massively out- overscored our xG we're about 1.55 goals over our xG which for three games is huge I think we've had eight shots on target and scored five goals so at the moment we're being clinical but we're not being particularly exciting most of our chances are from set pieces not not from open play but then we haven't got an out and out striker DK's injured Maja hasn't been fit enough to start games yet and Brandon Thomas Asante who's still learning to be a number nine is having to lead the line in terms of players to to look out for Yukoslu and Malumbi are always the, the standouts for us uh, Swift is the creator in chief but the, the the one who sort of has surprised Albion fans a little bit although he was excellent before he got injured last season is Matt Phillips who's played God only knows where he'll play because he's played he's played as a left-sided midfielder a left wing back and uh, and a striker slash number 10 in the three games so far already but he seems to be able to turn in a performance wherever he plays on the pitch Alex Palmer excelled against uh, against Leeds in goal so he's always one to keep an eye on and just one to keep an eye on from entertainment purposes is Cedric Kipre, who is the sublime to the ridiculous, will probably go from looking like one of the best defenders in the division as he canters out of defence with the ball and plays a wonderful threaded through ball to 
looking like one of the worst as he makes a horrendous mistake as he seems to do every week. So he's just an absolute quandary. But he'll he'll bring, as my co-presenter said on this week's pod, he'll bring entertainment, that's for sure. be interesting to see how the game goes. I I felt um, Corbran very much won the tactical battle when we faced Middlesbrough at the end of last season. But then we had we had DK that day who who scored who scored the goals and was and was excellent. We won't have him. So it's it's whether we can trouble you from set pieces and be as solid at the back because we've lost two important players since that game, DK out injured and Daro Shea at centre half. So can we can we turn in the same performance without our best defender and our best number nine? It remains to be seen. So thank you very much uh, for that, Chris. And Hopefully we can help get pick up the result against uh, West Brom, Tom. So what's your predictions going with then? Do you think uh, Matt Carrick will make changes um, to the side that drew on at the weekend? And also, what's your actual match prediction as well? I would make one change, and it's one I hope will be made, and that would be McGree and for Silvera. Um, and my match prediction is actually me 2-0 Borough. I think this is going to be the match yeah. where it finally clicks. Um, and I fancy like they'll have to get a goal. And yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I think this is this is going to be the match where we get our first win of the season. This could be the match for Daryl Enahan as well. You know, you said like, I laugh. This I'm all in, Tom. All in on Lenahan. <laughs> all in. Um, t-shirt coming soon. Anyway, so the 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 game then it's such a difficult one, isn't it? I think. Carlos Coburn's side, you know, he's such a good coach, right? He always adapts his team style uh, to fit against the sides um, he's playing against, and they really nullified us at the Hawthorns last season. So I'm a bit curious of that a little bit. Um, I think 1 1 draw will be good. I think it'll cause a meltdown online if we have one and again, but I don't really care. I think it's a 1 1 draw, and I think it's a good, if we put in a good performance, I'd be really, really happy for that as well. So, continuously building. I'm hoping we can try and bring in one one or two bodies in this week as well, just to keep us ticking along quite nicely towards the end of the window as well. But in terms of predictions, yeah, 1 1 draw for me. Really tough game. Change for me is McGree coming in as well. And, you know, I would maybe like to test out Silvera on one side and McGree on the other with Rogers and we'll see how that works. Or Isaiah Jones, just, just to test things out. It's so early in the season, we have the time to test things. So let's let's go from there. But Tom, uh, thank you very much for joining me as always. And to listeners and the viewers, thank you very much uh, for watching and listening to us on your podcast provider. Don't forget to give us a five-star ring on your podcast provider. And just to people on Spotify, we've got over 2,500 of you subscribed on Spotify and we've only got 368 uh, five-star reviews. So if one of you, if all, if ever you, if all of you just give us uh, a five-star review, I wonder how cool that would be. You know, if our podcast have that many five-star reviews, I think that'd be pretty, pretty sweet. And also don't give, don't uh, forget to give us a thumbs up on this video as well. That helps us get found in all the charts and all that kind of uh, fun stuff as well. Uh, but for right now, Boris search for a, a league win goes on, but can they bag the... F- First one against the baggies. We'll see you next week. Well, it's been the Board Breakdown podcast, and that was like a boring match day chatter in a pod. Up the Board Breakdown. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 